0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Slap your neighbor a high five and tell him, I know God is for me. Amen. Praise God. Can we give our worship team a good God bless you this morning? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I could, uh... Belled out like Jeremy there, huh? Whoa! I like that. <laughs> Amen. God's good, isn't He? I guess He knows that if I had a voice like that, I'd be squalling all the time. I don't know. But I'm glad somebody's got one. Amen. Praise God. Appreciate the goodness of the Lord. Amen. We've, as Brother Larry said, God blessed us, and the anointing of the Lord it was just wonderful in our first service this morning. I sense his presence here today, right now, and I just believe that he's going to minister to us and help us here this morning. Amen? Praise God. Today is our last uh, message in the series on baggage, and we've been talking for the last three weeks about uh, things that we carry through life that aren't good for us, that we need to release, that we need to check in, that we need to give to God, right? Uh, Things that uh, would hold us back and... Uh, regret and bitterness and and hurt and anger, those type of things in our life are not good for us, but they hold us down. Amen. And uh, so we need to get rid of those things, things that you must, but I want to talk to you this morning about things that you must have to make it through. Amen. We talked Wednesday night and we kind of set it up for here this morning. We started talking about Job and we left it off there with Job. And uh, I want to look at his life today because I believe it is a a wonderful picture of uh, how that we must uh, deal with life and how that we must uh, have some things that we have to have to make it through life. Amen. Job was blessed by God. The Bible says that he had seven sons and three daughters. They were the fairest in the land. It begins to display there in Job chapter 1 and verse 3. It talks about... Uh, how he had all of these possessions. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. He had uh, a yoke of, uh, what was it? A 500 yoke of oxen. He had 500 female donkeys. He had a very large house. And the Bible says in the latter part of verse three, so that this man was very great of all the people of the East, amen? Job knew that it was God because of God, that he had what he had. He knew that if God had not blessed him, that he would not have the things that he had in life. Amen? And But it is true to life that Job's story was not trouble-free. How many know by now it's not a trouble-free life? Uh, you know, I, I said it, you know, and I guess it's just kind of in my crawl, but I just tell you over and over, I, I have a problem with this thing of, of everybody gets a trophy. Uh, you know, nobody loses. I want to tell you, there, there's some things in life that, that aren't fair. There's are some things in life that are going to come into your life, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how much you pray, no matter how many times you can, you know, quit eating, you can spend all of your time locked up somewhere praying and seeking the face of God, and trouble's still going to find you. Amen. Because life isn't fair. Tell your neighbor, life really isn't fair. Uh, If we if we had life in our control, we we would bless some and curse others. Right. If we had life in our control, we would we, we would pronounce blessing upon some folk that don't look like, you know, that they're being blessed right now. But God's in control and he is sovereign. And Job knew that because God had blessed him in such a way that even though that if it were not for God, he would have never had all of this. But trouble came to Job's life. The story unfolds of Job, and it is a a story not of rags to riches, but riches to rags. We see the blessing of God was so great upon his life until people called him. The wealthiest man in the East. He was not among the wealthiest, but he was the wealthiest. Amen. But like a horror story, it was a perfect picture of how the enemy will come and attack our life. Because everything that in in Job's life was taken away. Everything was destroyed. Amen. Everything was stolen. And in a short period of time, Job went from being the wealthiest man in the east to having nothing but his wife left. Amen. You need to know that the enemy is a short scrimmage attacker. Amen. he will attack you. And when he attacks you, he attacks you hard. And it seems as though he attacks everything at once. Amen. If we just had a little attack in our health and then we got over that and we got an attack in our family and we got over that, we got an attack in our finances and got over that, uh, uh, you know, we could all make it right. But the enemy knows that he if he is going to bring you down, then he has to get you out of the place that you feel blessed. That you feel like that God is with you. Amen. And so He attacks you all at once and He attacks you hard. And it is meant to overwhelm you and cause you to feel like that everything is out of control and there is no change that is ever going to come to your life. It is meant to beat you down and make you feel like that there is nothing ever going to change. That you must learn how to live and deal with these circumstances that are in your life the bad news started rolling in and they began a messenger came and told Job, the thieves have come and stole your oxen and stole your donkeys. This speaks to me about his ability to work because the oxen would plow the field. It would prepare for the harvest. And so the enemy comes and steals his ability to work. Amen. They come and before that messenger can leave, another messenger comes and says the lightning has come and killed all of the sheep that you had Uh, before he the messenger can leave uh, another comes and says thieves have come and stole all of your camels then before he can leave another messenger comes and says Job a tornado has come through and it has uh, uh, destroyed your eldest son's home and all of your children were there having a party and he said all of them have died and there is nothing left And verse 22, it tells us that in all of this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. That's a big statement. That's easier to read than it is to live. Come on, somebody, let's be honest up in here. When everything is gone, your family is gone. I know people that have lost children, I know people that have lost houses. I know people that have lost jobs, but I don't know anybody that lost children, houses and jobs all at the same time. But yet in all of this, as sickness was in his body and the Bible says that he would take and set in the ash heap and he would scrape the sores on his body. The Bible declares to us in all of this, Job did not sin. He did not curse God. He did not charge it to God for being wrong. But Job realized what you and I must realize. And that is that no matter what we are going through, that God is always with you. I said God is always with you. Amen. If you're going to make it through this life, you've got to know, you've got to have in your bag of life, you've got to have the realization that no matter what is going on, God is with me. Hallelujah. Amen. It may not look like I'm being blessed right now. It may not feel like that everything is working for my good right now. It may not even appear as though that I'm losing instead of winning. But I know that even though that I may be going through a different season right now, the same God... That was with me while I the blessing and they were calling me the greatest man in the east. Is the same God that is with me in this ash heap right now. Hallelujah. He is the same God. Go ahead and give him praise. Even though the enemy may rage and even though the trouble may come and even though the circumstances of life may change and even though that everything seems to be a total wreck, I know that God is still with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you're going to through, going to make it through life, then you must understand no matter what the season is of your life, no matter what you are going through, that God is with you. In Hebrews 13 and 5, it said, let your uh, conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is anybody happy about that this morning? The thing I like about it is God's never is not like the never of men. The never of men says, I'll never leave you as long as we agree. I'll never leave you as long as everything is okay. I'll never leave you as long as we're prosperous and we can celebrate together and we can have a party together, but all oh, let the party stop. Come on, somebody. Let the situation change and, and, and go from a place of being able to hand out to having a handout. Amen. And see then if I stay with you. Amen. He said, but I want to tell you that's not the God that we serve. The God we serve, his never means never. It means never in the Hebrew, it means never in the Greek. It means never in the English. He said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." He didn't make some uh, make a proclamation that he cannot keep. You see, that whenever a man gives a promise, the promise is only as good as the uh, the man's ability to keep his promise. But I want to tell you that God watches over His word and He hastens to perform it. And whenever He said, "I'll never leave you," He knew you would go through some hell. He knew you would go through some difficulty. He knew you would be going through some trials of life. But he said, I ain't afraid of your ugliness. I'm not afraid of your trouble. I will never leave you. Hebrew children, I'll go through the fire with you. Daniel, I'll be in the den with you. Because I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I will be with you forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You may not always feel God so close in every season of your life. But feelings can get you in trouble. Oh, it's good to feel God. Can I get a witness? But just because you can't feel him does not mean he is not with you. Amen. God is as close in the season of difficulty in your life as he is in the season of blessing in your life. But we must learn how to bless him at all times. Amen. Because you see, God is not a liar. He promised his word. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he knew that some tough times would be coming. And so Jesus himself asked the question, who can separate me from you? Who can separate you from my love? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall peril, famine, nakedness, nor strife? He said, it is written, for we have led as lambs to the slaughter all day long. But we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yea, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Amen. I just want to stop there and say, even in all of this, he said, you're still a conqueror. Amen. In all of this, you're still an overcomer. Why? Because he said, neither life nor death. Nor angels or principalities, things present or things to come, height or death. He said, nothing, anything created shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Whenever you yeah, give him praise. Because you see the fact that the love of God has come to us and because that love is with us he said it may be troubled times there may be difficulty on the horizon. You may feel like that it's more like hell than it is heaven in your life. But he said there isn't nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Praise God. You've got to realize in every situation that God loves you. Amen. He's not there to curse you. He is there to bless you and even in the most difficult time of your life, the remember this, the worst day as a child of God is better than any day you'll have in the world. Amen. Why? Because I realize God is with me. You got to keep that in your spirit. You got to keep that in your bag of life. The second thing is this, I must always have worship. Job 1 and verse 20, it said, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job realized that he had not lost anything that God had not given him. He said, None of this would have ever happened without God. And so I'm going to worship him. Amen. You must have worship. True worship does not come out of blessing. Rather, it comes out of brokenness. True worship does not come out of abundance. It comes when nothing is left but God. You see, anybody can worship God. When everything's going your way. Anybody can worship God and dance and leap on the hills. And glorify God when everything is good. But God says true worship does not come out of blessing. It comes out of brokenness. You see your worship is cheap until it's been tested by the fiery trials of life. The worth of China is determined by the amount of heat that it can endure without cracking. Amen. Gold is only deemed pure after it goes through the fire and all the impurities are removed through adding heat to it. And I want you to know that your worship is cheap and of no value to God if you cannot worship him through the fire and through with the same intensity that you did and the same passion that you did when you were on the mountaintop. Amen. Job worshipped. He didn't change. He didn't change his situation. Amen. Because he said, even in this circumstance, even though they're not calling me anymore the most wealthy man in the east, my God is still God, and so therefore I will worship Him. Job didn't uh, change his uh, worship because of his situation. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you may be going through, but I can promise you that your situation will change. change. The circumstances of life will change. Amen. There are going to be good times and there are going to be bad times. The Bible said it's going to rain on the just as well as the unjust. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. I've come to tell somebody this morning that your circumstances will change. Praise God. But I want to tell you that your circumstances will change, but your God will never change. I wish somebody to help me this morning. I said, God will never change. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And whenever you make up your mind, hey, I may be going through the valley of the shadow of death, but God is still with me. And so therefore I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise is going to continually be in my mouth. Not because of circumstances, but because I know that God is with me. Hallelujah. True worship will bring the great God into your bad situation. Amen. I said true worship will bring the great God into your bad situation. How do you know that? Because it's scripture. God inhabits the praise of Israel. He inhabits the praise of his people. He did not say he inhabits prayer. He did not say he inhabits preaching. I cannot preach anything today, nor the greatest orator on the face of the earth preach anything today that's going to impress God. Because he is the word. I said he is the word. So he's not impressed by that. But what he is impressed by is whenever he has a job that understands that everything isn't rosy understands everything isn't perfect understands that there are going to be some troubles in life, but I'm going to choose to bless the Lord. I'm going to choose to be a worshiper. I'm going to choose to stand by night in the house of the Lord with one hand without wrath and the other without doubt and stand by night in the house of God and say, God, I don't understand, don't comprehend, but I'm going to worship you because you are still God and you will provide a way somehow for me. Hallelujah. Job made a choice to tear off his robe, shave his head, and worship. And when he did, Job locked God into his bad situation. If you want God to help you in bad times, then you must worship him at all times. Let me say that again. If you want God to help you in bad times, you got to worship him all the time. Amen. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise will continually, perpetually be in my mouth. Amen. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, if you want to lock God in in the bad times, then you've got to learn how to praise Him through difficulty. You've got to learn how to raise your hand through tear-stained eyes. You've got to learn how to come out of your spirit and out of your heart, not out of the good, but out of the bad, and say, God, here is my praise. Here is my worship. Here is my adoration, not because things are going good, not because I understand it, but because you are God all by yourself and you are worthy to be praised and worthy to be worshiped. Amen. I worship God, and people get confused about worship. They see somebody worshiping and they think that they are worshiping because everything's grossy. They think that everything is perfect. They think that everything is wonderful and it all smells rosy at the Matthew's house whenever they see me worshiping God and blessing God and thanking him. But I want to tell you, I've learned the art of worshiping God when I could not trace God. I learned the art of worshiping him through difficult seasons of my life, not because everything was good, but because I needed him and i knew that if i allowed my circumstances to dictate to me my worship and i stopped my worship then also it would release god from my situation But I learned that whenever circumstances come and trials come, that it isn't a time to shut up, but it's a time to speak up and declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. It is a time to rejoice and to give Him praise. Why? Because I can't make it without Him in this difficult situation. My mind is confused. The situation is overwhelming. And I don't even know where to take my next step. But if I praise Him, if I worship Him... The Bible said the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. And even though I may not be able to figure it out myself, he's going to ordain my steps. And so God, I can't figure it out. I don't know how it's going to come out. And so I've just got to keep you right here in the midst of my situation until my situation turns around until the darkness dissipates until sorrow turns to joy until morning turns to dancing I've got to praise you and I've got to bless your name because I don't know how to make this thing work oh come on and praise him here this morning glory to God aren't you glad for a God that's not afraid of your ugly? Aren't you glad that we've got a God that will never leave us nor forsake us, but he will be there in the midst of our worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, he's always with you. Remember, at all times, I will worship him. And number three is to be, have honesty in prayer. In Job chapter 3 and verse 25, it said, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. And I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. Job, like many of us, started out in this trouble feeling pretty good. Remembering that God is always with us. Remembering I'm going to worship to create an atmosphere so that He will come into my situation. But then somewhere along the way as the days went by and the weeks passed, He started listening to what His flesh was saying instead of what His spirit knew. Did you hear me? you got to be careful in difficult times not to react by what your flesh is feeling. But you've got to determine, I will respond by what my spirit knows. And Job said, the thing that I feared the most has now come upon me. You see, I want to tell you today that he began to speak out of his normal man. He began to speak out of his natural man. Instead of confessing what God had promised. And let me say that there is a difference between what you speak. The Bible said that there is power of life and death is in the tongue. So we speak the word of God over our situation. We speak his promises no matter what the situation looks like. Amen. But when we pray. You see, it's, it's, it's kind of like this. Some people get in trouble because they let everybody into their life. But I want to tell you, everybody don't have a right into your life. It's like, it's like the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of holies. There's never 2,000 people in the holies of holies. There's a handful of people in the holies of holies. And there is only a handful of people that you can tell everything to. There's some people on the outer courts that you can talk to about some things, but you don't let them know everything. And then there's some people out there on the outer courts that you just cordial to them and show them the love of God, but you don't share with them your vision and dreams. I'm pastoring a little bit. But let me tell you something. Job, when he went to the place of prayer, he could tell God everything. He could get honest before God. He didn't go speaking this to everybody, but he spoke it to God in prayer. And he said, you know, God, I have a the day I was born. Why did you even let me exist? My days are short and they're full of trouble. I don't know why you even allow me to come into the world. He was honest before God. He poured out his soul. He emptied himself of all of the hurt All of the brokenness, all of the confusion, all of the anxiety. And guess what? God didn't get mad at him. He's a big God and he can handle it amen he emptied himself in that honest prayer and he emptied himself he gave it all to God amen and I want to tell you today that whenever we pray we need to come before God honest before him and say God I just I can't say it to anybody else and nobody else is going to comprehend but I just come to you today to tell you I don't understand I'm just honest with you God I don't know why you haven't worked it out why you're not done something by now but God I just want you to know, even though I'm confused, even though I don't understand, I still trust you. And I know, God, that you're going to make a way somehow. Hallelujah. Because, you see, he told God all of this stuff, right? He told him all of this stuff. He told him his hurt. He told him his pain. He told him his confusion. But before he got up from prayer, he reminded God of his own words. Amen. And he began to speak the words of God. You see, whenever we begin to pray, we don't just go pour it out, empty it out, and then get up. But before you get up, you need to remind God of his word. Because His Word, He watches over His Word and He hastens to perform it. Amen. He, the Bible said that it's just like the snow or the rain that comes down. Praise God. But He said His Word, when it come, goes back up, it will not return into Him void, but it will accomplish that in where it has been sent. Amen. In times of prayer, we're honest before God. But before we get up, we take the Word that pertains to our situation and we give it back to God. And whenever we return it to him in times of prayer, it makes full circle. And when it makes full circle, he honors his word and watches over it to hasten to perform it. I tell you today, in times of honest prayer, God will move on your behalf. His word will work. I said his word will work. Because he watches over his word. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will never pass away. There is creative power in the word of God. The words of God created this universe. Amen. And whenever we declare those words, they don't have an expiration date on them. When we speak them in faith... They begin to do, the creative power begins to stir and begins to do and begins to accomplish what God desires for it to accomplish in our life. But we have to be honest before God. Amen? The fourth thing that is in Job's bag is this. He said in Job chapter 19 and verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at the last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold not another, or how my heart yearns within me. The fourth thing is this, that Job understood my Redeemer lives. Whatever you're going through in life, you've got to understand that my Redeemer lives. Amen. When you read this story of Job, you can see the struggle that he, that Paul talked about in the New Testament. A struggle with this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Between what your flesh is feeling and what your spirit knows. Job concludes... God, I don't know why all this stuff is going on in my life. But what I do know is that you're my redeemer. And you're alive. Hallelujah. Even though what I have had was all lost. No one can take my relationship with you away from me. Hallelujah. You see... We know that Job was speaking out of his spirit because he makes the statement, I know my Redeemer lives. Job is writing this many years before Jesus ever came. Hundreds of years before Jesus ever came or ever, there wasn't a Bible. There wasn't a preacher. There wasn't a worship song that would suggest to Job, there's a Redeemer coming. But what he spoke was out of his relationship with God. God, all by himself, having a relationship in this dark season of mankind. Job would say, I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but one thing I do know is my Redeemer lives. Amen, and so so here I look at this and I see how powerful this is. Why? Because job, hundreds of years before Jesus was ever on the scene hundreds of years before there was a prophet ever prophesying and saying a Messiah is coming on this side of the cross Job stood up in the midst of an ash heap and he said I know that my redeemer lives and though they slay me I'm going to see him in my flesh one day, amen he didn't get everything right theologically he didn't always talk the way he should have talked but he did everything out of his relationship with God and out of his relationship relationship, the spirit of God in him knew that I've got a redeemer. I've got somebody that's on my side. Hallelujah. And Job began to write this. If Job was that certain on this side of the cross that there is a redeemer, then how much more should we have an understanding on this side of the cross? After Jesus came, after his blood was shed, after he died upon the cross of Calvary, how much more should you and I be able to stand in the face of adversity and uh, circumstances that we own our control and say I know that my redeemer does live I know that he has made a way I know that he came and he walked on this earth he died upon a rugged cross they put him in a tomb but on the third resurrection morning amen before the sun broke over the horizon amen before though until the satyrean retreated until law turned to grace but on that third resurrection morning he got up out of the grave, victorious over death, hell and the grave. And he said, because I live, you can live also. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you today, because he came, because he lives, we can live today, victorious over death, hell and the grave. Oh, blessed be his holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to fool around and preach myself happy in a minute. Amen. I know my Redeemer lives. Not because of what's going on in my life. But because of the finished work of Calvary. I know my Redeemer lives. Not because of how I feel. Not because I'm driving around in a brand new car. Come on. Not because I got the job I wanted, not because I've got the house up on the hill, but because I know my Redeemer lives. Thank God for the car. Thank God for the house. Thank God for all of his blessings. But if everything is gone, don't have a car and have to walk everywhere I go. Have to live up under a bridge somewhere. And everybody has forsaken me. As long as I have my Redeemer. You see, Job made it through this difficult season in his life, not because everybody was with him. He and Mrs. Job weren't even getting along. Can we get real? I read the story, and it said Mrs. Job ahoored his breath. There ain't no kissing going on over at the Job's house. She said, I told you, Job. And you wouldn't listen to me. This is Matthew's translation. But it isn't against the word. I told you Job. Look at everything you've done. You gave God everything. You trusted God with everything. And now look where it's got you. You worship God. You trusted God. You believed in God. And now look. There's nothing left. And whenever his herds were gone, his livestock, his living was gone, his, his job was gone, his children were gone, and all he had was a cantankerous woman left. He didn't, the Bible said it's better to live up on the housetop than in the house with a cantankerous woman. I'm just saying. He didn't even have a house to get in. He had a bad day. Come on, somebody. Now, this ain't in my notes. Didn't even get to share it with the first, but I'm just going to tell you. Everything was gone but a cantankerous woman. But watch this. Why didn't God kill her? Why didn't he get rid of this negative spirit in his life? I'm going to tell you why. Even though that it was a negative spirit, God knew the only way he could get back to Job double for his trouble. It's for this this woman to remain in his life so he could give him more than he ever had before. Oh, hallelujah. I want to, oh, you aren't hearing me. Somebody's saying, God, why don't you just get rid of this thing in my life? Why don't you just get rid of this trouble in my life? But I've come to tell somebody by the Spirit of God. I'm prophesying to you what the enemy is meant for evil. God's going to use it to multiply. He's going to restore He's going to restore the years the locusts have devoured and the canker worm is destroyed. And even though it looks like trouble today, God's going to turn it around. And when He turns it around, He's going to use it for your good and for His glory. I wish somebody would give Him praise here this morning. Hallelujah. Job wrote and said, I know my Redeemer lives. He didn't didn't speak that from his big house on top of the hill. He didn't speak that with a house full of children running and dancing and leaping. He spoke that out of an ash heap of boils and scraping his boils with clay pots. And he said, I know my Redeemer lives. And even though they slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't know about you today. I don't know what you've been through in your life. But one thing I do know, that if you've got God on your side, if you know that your Redeemer lives, your spirit man inside of you is going to give you the ability to overcome the adversity that comes into your life. You show me somebody defeated in their spirit and I'll show you somebody that can't stand up against a little girl at a fire and proclaim the name of Jesus. But you show me somebody that knows their Redeemer lives and I'll show you somebody like Job that no matter what comes, no matter what is taking place, that they will stand not because of what is right, but because the Spirit of God in them is standing up and saying, I know my Redeemer does live. If Job could be that certain on this side of the cross, how much more should we be certain on this side of the cross? Since we have seen him come, die, buried, resurrected. And now, he said, because I live, you can live also. Amen? Jesus came and changed everything. Our calendar has changed because Jesus came. Everything is determined by B.C., before Christ, and after death. 2,000 years ago, after death, he died. But Jesus came to be our Redeemer and buy back man from man's sin. Amen? He bought us back. We were kidnapped by the enemy. Father God had taken mankind, or the enemy had taken mankind ransom and hostage from Father God. But Father God wanted his family back. It wasn't a plan. He wasn't having a Maalox moment saying, oh, what am I going to do? I didn't see this coming. But Jesus said he was the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. It wasn't a plan B, but he knew mankind would sin and come short of the glory of God. And he would slay Jesus from the foundations of the world so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. And Jesus came. Amen? He didn't come so that we could say, well, you know, we're going to have a prosperous life. He didn't come so we could say he is the Son of God, but he, he was already the Son of God. He was already King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He was already everything. He didn't have to prove nothing but he came and he died upon the cross so you and I could have life and have it more abundantly the bible said he bore our grief and carried our sorrows he carried our sin to the cross that day and he died there he died there with our grief he died there with our hurt He carried that bitterness and that guilt and that shame and that regret and all of that sin and He carried it to the cross with Him. Amen? And when Jesus, the light of the world, came into the world, He came and He died upon the cross and the finished work of Calvary said, because He lives, we can live. And now all of your sins are gone. And now, when we look back and we say, God, forgive me of my sins again, He says, What sins? He says, What regret? He says, What bitterness? Because I don't remember it any longer. I carried it to the cross, I nailed it to the cross. And because I live, you can live also. Glory to God. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Is anybody thankful for the cross this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray in this moment that it will be evident that you are with us. God, as your presence is here this morning, help us to make a conscious choice that no matter what is going on in our lives, that we will worship you. God, let us know that we can't tell everybody a heart, but we can bring a heart to you. We can bring the hurt. We can bring the pain. We can bring the difficulty. We can bring the confusion. And we can lay it at your feet.